I've gotten into actually these YouTube videos lately where it's these Costco deal people who go in and they scout the best deals for you. And oh, then yeah. there's even a They're YouTubers, huh? That YouTubers. just do this on Well, they do different yeah. places, but there is a subgenre that is these Costco <laughs> people. Awesome. And then there's a subgenre of the subgenre where there's this guy who goes in specifically <clears throat> to the food and he reads the labels and tells you whether it's actually nutritional or not. So you're not a Costco guy. I would I'm surprised by I would that. strike you as one, wouldn't I? Very much so. Bulk and cheap. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to GeekWire. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. And I'm GeekWire co-founder John Cook. We are coming to you from Seattle, where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in business, technology, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere. And every week on this show, we get to talk about some of the most interesting stories in the news. Coming up, John, I want to talk about Costco and their new requirements for entry. So let's save that for the last segment. That's the real talker of the week, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. I've got some thoughts. Okay. In the meantime, I don't know if you noticed this week, but Microsoft came out with a new AI offering. It seems to be one a week, basically, for Microsoft these days. Copilot Pro. Cool. This is interesting more. to me in part because it's basically a competitor to ChatGPT+. Copilot Pro is bringing to individual users many of the advanced features that Microsoft previously had in Microsoft 365 Copilot. For example, for $20 a month as a subscription, you can do things like go into PowerPoint and say, hey, here are the key points that I want in a presentation please make a presentation for me based on this and it'll do it. Word integration. It'll also do basic chatbot things that... This is why you were asking me for one of the decks from the business team (laughs) this week. (laughs) I got you now. I know exactly what you're up to. (laughs) Here's the problem. You didn't tell me why you wanted it. (laughs) So that'll have to wait. Unfortunately, we seem to be having some kind of connectivity problems in here today. I have noticed that, yeah. At any rate, yes, you can take an outline and turn it into a presentation, all sorts of interesting things. But one of the interesting angles on this to me is that it's competing with OpenAI. I'm reaching the point where my AI subscriptions, as somebody who is trying to use all these different things, are starting to rival my streaming subscriptions. I've got Claude Pro for $20 a month, ChatGPT Plus for $20 a month. Now I did subscribe to Copilot Pro for $20 a month. I mean, I'm going to have to wean in, myself you're in off at 60 of bucks a month here, huh? 60, 60 bucks. but you're in at 60 bucks a month. 60 bucks yeah. a month. Yeah. Uh, Otter AI. Now, oh, right. Yeah. That's, that's one that I will not give up. Yeah. Not, then a lot of the team members here use that pretty religiously. That is one that's crossed the chasm for us. I was an early and, user and of that. for a long time. I mean, we've yeah. been using it for years. Well, for me with Otter, it's been an auto transcript staple for more than a year, going back maybe two years. I'd say a couple of years we've been using it pretty religiously. But for me, the thing that is the huge selling point is the chat function that they introduced into Otter AI maybe six months ago. It has just been a game changer for me. And I start to evangelize it internally yeah, to the team. You should, although we should put point out some of the uh, the negative attributes of Otter AI. You know what you helped me with on the tech support side? Oh, yes. They're very aggressive in terms of signing you up 
if anyone comes in contact with their software. Yes. And I use it not as much as you all on, that are reporting day to day, but I do use it on occasion. And so I've been invited to into our well, team to use it. And now all of a sudden, I've had the Otter AI assistant, unbeknownst to me, showing up in my Zoom meetings, my Google Meets, uh, my Microsoft team, I think in Microsoft Teams as well. And I was like, I have no idea why this Otter AI assistant, and everyone thought I was so cool when I was showing up in these meetings. Like, <laughs> oh, John, you've got an AI assistant attending like, the meetings. I, do? I was like, I don't know how to turn this thing off. I'm sorry. It's this AI has taken over my meetings. Okay. And you did help me deactivate well, it, but it was a bit of an issue. It to me is something that the Otter team, if anybody out there is listening to this, needs to adjust, change. It's too aggressive. To me, their marketing and their growth hacking has crossed the line because what actually happened was... Growth hacking, in other words, installing it on, <laughs> installing on people's machines without them knowing. Not installing it on yeah. people's machines because you are in a browser. But what happened was you're on our domain, geekwire.com, through your email. So when Taylor or I or somebody else shared a transcript with you, John at geekwire.com, they went, oh, John's at Geekwire. Okay, sign him up for a trial. $100 a month. <laughs> no, it's not that much. It's not that much. But sign him up for a seat yeah. on the GeekWire yes. enterprise plan or business plan. And unless the GeekWire administrator, me, removes you from the plan, you're going to be suddenly another seat added well, cost on our plan. I mean, not to go down the, the rabbit hole on this, but it was a bit interesting that just because a transcript got shared with me and I was in that transcript and working with the transcript, why why all of a sudden is an AI assistant in my meetings? Right. I mean, that was a big, that's a pretty big leap. So to have that turned on by default, whereas usually you would hope that that would be something proactive that you would do. Uh, right. There were yeah, multiple they're two phases. different products. Yes. They're two very different products. Well, they're two different. What do you mean they're two different? Well, one is um, you're just putting your content into the system so you can get it transcribed. Another is there's now an AI assistant in all of my meetings. I don't think the two often, sh I don't well, think the two should be crossing. I think that they're the same product, two different features. And certainly the feature that is intrusive in that way should not be turned on by default. That's exactly right. Not to mention the fact that you shouldn't have been added to our plan as a potentially paying customer <laughs> if the trial period expired without our knowledge. Now, let's go back to how much you okay. love Otter AI. I do. It's, it is a me, great tool. The yeah. AI chat, the Otter chat inside the Otter interface on the web is... And, and we should say Otter. It's O-T-T-E-R dot right. AI. My California accent, yeah. people are probably thinking it's O-D-D-E-R or something <laughs> like that. Otter. How um, do you pronounce almonds? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to you, I say almonds. If I'm talking to somebody in my hometown, I say almonds. Otherwise, they're going right. to laugh me out of the room. Okay. So their chat tool inside otter.ai <laughs> is one of the best. In fact, I think it might be the best I've encountered in terms of its ability to recap things, summarize things in the transcript in a straightforward, non-flowery, very direct way. I'm a huge fan of it. It gives me some raw material that I can work with coming out of an interview that I've done. It's, it's just something that can potentially change the way we do our jobs. 
and make it more efficient. And it's an and it example. Has. It has. It's an example of how AI can help. Now, in the meantime, I've got to go on a AI diet because <laughs> I've got too many subscriptions. And Copilot Plus. Co- no, Copilot Pro. Copilot Pro. Yes, is the latest. Is the latest. So I'm going to give it a month here and see how it goes. That and then- seems like it would have some real utility, though, if you're taking existing things you're doing in the office suite yes. and automating them. For Seems sure. pretty cool. So I went into the chat function of Copilot Pro and I said, read the past week of stories on GeekWire and suggest some topics for this week's GeekWire podcast. Oh, you did? I did. Oh, wow. And I think the first topic that it came up with is an excellent one that I had not thought about talking about. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to GeekWire, and we'll be right back. That's a tease. (laughs) That's a good tease. I wanted a career in IT, but I didn't know where to start. WGU makes it simple. Their accredited online degree programs cover all kinds of IT specialties, and they have valuable industry certifications built in at no extra cost. The payoff? Having those certs back up my degree makes me look even better to future employers. A nonprofit university that includes top industry certs in their programs? I choose WGU. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. So, I've All right, been... I'm dying to know. <laughs> okay. What so... did Copilot Pro... Plus or Pro? Pro. I'm going to It is that a branding up. problem. It's a Co-Pilot branding problem. Copilot Pro come up with for us. Copilot Pro read the past week of GeekWire stories and suggested as the first topic on this episode, Zulily. Very interesting. It was one of the more in-depth stories we've had on the site. That's right. Especially over the past week. Big shout out to our colleague, GeekWire Managing Editor Taylor Soper. He's been all over the Zulily shutdown demise story from the very beginning, but I think this story was the capper. He really dug deep, figured out what went wrong at Zulily, told the story of this e-commerce company, its rise and struggles, its acquisition by a private equity company, and ultimately its shutdown. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's really applicable in terms of its lessons and takeaways even beyond Zulily, because you've had this trend over the past few years of these private equity interests coming in and acquiring a lot of these high-flying tech companies. And this, in some ways, is the most extreme example of what can happen. And I do have a theory on what's going on here behind the scenes, which indirectly Taylor's story bolstered. So I can get into that in a second, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Taylor's story was great, in part because this is a company I covered in their early days. Uh, and so there were things I was learning uh, that were going on in those early days up into the, the current uh, period. And so uh, tough story of a pretty significant shutdown here in the Seattle technology community and a company that was a very much a high-flying company. I think many people in the Seattle area, at least, will remember that Zulily was once emblazoned on the front of the jerseys of the Seattle Sounders FC. So very prominent marketing and branding. As a Sounders fan, many of us didn't really understand the marketing strategy at the time because Zulily, for the most part, was targeting moms with young kids. Now, they were trying to diversify their brand to go into other 
areas. And what I learned in Taylor's story, it was like, that was kind of a misguided path. That was one of the interesting aspects of the story was this effort to get beyond the early days into this larger market. And in doing so, it's clear that Zulily really lost its way. They had this special sauce at the very beginning of all these components of the flash sales, the daily deals, the moms and kids, and they tried to out Amazon Amazon in some ways, and ultimately they weren't able to do it. Yeah, there's a great quote in the story from one of the analysts that Taylor spoke to. They, they said, this is trying to be an endless aisle of everything, which is kind of going head to head with Amazon. Yep. And I think that was part of their downfall. They lost their North Star. I think it speaks to businesses that stay in their lane and have their niche that they are the master of. And it's tough to branch outside of that. Regent, the private equity firm, acquired them last year. And Taylor talked with former employees at Regent who said the firm follows a playbook, buy distressed companies for little to nothing and try to extract value. And therein lies my theory, John. And it's such a realistic theory that I would call it a hypothesis, not a conspiracy okay. theory. So it's a hypothesis. It's more scientific. Okay, so let's let's Based build on the this evidence. out because oftentimes here on the Geekwire podcast, we have these discussions and it leads to additional stories. So maybe there's one here that's forming as we speak. You may recall, John, that in December, after word of the layoffs at Zulily came out and amidst the shutdown of the company by Regent, Zulily sued Amazon. Saying, I do recall that. Saying that Amazon's price fixing alleged in the FTC's lawsuit against Amazon last year effectively undercut Zulily through unfair competition. And I'll link to the story where we went into detail about the lawsuit that Zulily filed against Amazon. But here is my theory. I think Regent planned to operate Zulily when it initially acquired the company. Which was early 2023. May, early 2023. In the meantime, however, the FTC filed its lawsuit. The FTC's lawsuit was then subsequently unredacted in part. And one of those passages that was no longer blacked out went into great detail about Zulily and a lot of the allegations that then a month later formed the basis for Zulily's separate suit against Amazon. So continue, because I, I have a question. My theory is that Regent saw the cash that it was spinning off of Zulily as an operating business, looked at the potential for a judgment or a settlement if it were to sue Amazon on anti-competitive grounds and made the calculated decision that the lawsuit provided the better chance for higher long-term value. What is the mission of a private equity firm? It's to extract as much value as possible. And they made the calculated decision that this lawsuit, bolstered by their decision to shut Zulily down, would be the better way to go versus actually operating it as a company. I think it's an interesting theory. The company was already in decline. It's It was losing uh, customers. Uh, there was a change in 2021 that Apple made, a privacy change, which affected Facebook ads, which Zulily was relying on. That 
really impacted their revenue significantly. I mean, that was a thing out of Taylor's story that really struck me. So just to summarize, there's the FTC suit, which occurs in 2023? Late 2023. Late 2023. And there was, there was a redacted portion that becomes unredacted in late 2023. Are you saying that Regent then saw the unredacted components, and now they're like, light bulb goes off. We can go mine this suit to create essentially our business around being in the legal business. Yep. Or As, do you think they had prior knowledge when they bought the company in early 2023? I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I assume that the FTC kept confidential those portions of the lawsuit. I don't know how that process works. I'm giving Regent the benefit of the doubt and at least believing or hypothesizing that they bought the business on good faith with the idea of operating it. It, it would be great for one of our lawyers in the audience who maybe knows the yep. intricacies of M&A and uh, FTC actions to know whether the company would be aware of these allegations that are being made about it in an FTC suit. Before it's unredacted. Right. I've heard this referred to as buying a lawsuit, effectively, even though they may not have had that intention when they actually made the acquisition, they realized that, that the asset they had was actually these allegations that they were able to make against Amazon and the potential for a payout from them. That's my well, hypothesis. It would be a great business. I guess you have to employ some lawyers to go through the process here, but it's really the FTC against Amazon. So maybe maybe the regent lawyers aren't doing too much but i assume there's some lawyers involved from regent oh, sure, that have sure. to manage this process and this transition from zilly going from a viable company with 800 a thousand plus employees to almost none uh pretty rapidly and they're going to manage just the lawsuit component of this while zulily as a business basically disappears it's interesting. I, I think it's worth watching. It's worth watching that FTC suit. All these suits. It's going to be one of the interesting stories to unfold here in 2024, in addition to the whole AI landscape. <laughs> so, <laughs> I highly recommend Taylor's story. Be sure to go check it out if you haven't already, and we will link to it from the show notes. Coming up next, what's going on at the entrance to Costco? This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop with John Cook. So, John, I understand you are not a Costco member. I am not a Costco member. I have been in a Costco. Been in a Costco. Yes, so you've I've had seen, a hot dog. You've I've seen had their <laughs> a, good deal. Coke. Yeah, whatever their good deal is. And you, I'm, yeah. No matter what era it was, it was $1.50, guaranteed. Yeah. Okay. So you've seen the ritual of the member pulling out the card and sort of flashing it in the direction of the person who's ostensibly yes, at the entrance it, it, to check it. It seems more theater than it is uh, anything. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> now, of course, you get to the checkout and they actually do check it and scan it, and then they know that you're actually a member. So 
With the advent of the self-checkout, however, Costco has realized that it would be possible to go through, do that ritual at the front door, and then go to the self-checkout, scan your card, and not be the member that you claim to be. Perhaps your friend loaned you their Costco membership card for the day. So that's causing problems. So Costco is now piloting a new scanning process at its stores. In fact, one of the stores where it's testing it is here in the Seattle region near the Costco headquarters in Issaquah, Washington. I'm sure a lot of folks out there don't know that the reason that it's called Kirkland brand is that that's near Costco's headquarters. At any rate, you go to the front entrance and you scan it and they can see your picture and check to make sure that it's actually you coming in. Much more high security. GeekWire's Taylor Soper, who's all over the place these days, <laughs> went out and checked it out. And Kurt Schlosser, our colleague, wrote up a story about it. It really seems like this is part of a broader trend of companies cracking down on sharing. We saw Netflix do this. Now we're seeing account sharing being cracked down upon by Costco. What's your take on all this? Well, Costco is, I mean, fantastic company. But it's not known for being cutting edge on the technology front. I mean, it's stripped down. You get what you get in a Costco. And the thing that kind of struck me here is how far apart it is from Amazon, which is basically rolling out its own (laughs) just walk in and just walk out technology where you don't even have to show anything. You don't even have to interact with anybody, basically. And so I was struck by the, uh, the difference between what Costco is doing, which seems, I mean... Pretty low tech. And uh, like, why didn't Costco have this 15 years ago? Uh, You know, I mean, like, but I think that's the way Costco operates and how distant it is from the types of things that Amazon's doing on the with their physical retail technology. That's so fascinating. And, you know, the Costco-Amazon comparison is really interesting on a number of fronts, not just authentication, which is what this is effectively. But you're talking about two different retail memberships. And how two different companies approach them, both online, you know, and offline in physical stores. And to your point, the just walk out technology by Amazon. I love that stuff. And this is where. Well, why wouldn't Costco? Well, Costco would maybe have to build it themselves because I don't think Amazon's going to license oh, it to Costco. Oh, Amazon would for you the right price. So? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're yeah. licensing it to others. I, no, I don't know. Well, for the right price is maybe the key word yes. there. Then maybe Costco, given their thin margins and how they operate, wouldn't want to put that sort of investment into it. Well, that's the other issue. I'm thinking this through. Costco would have to install potentially cameras. cameras. Yeah. Yes, if they were to truly make it a just walk out experience. But I'm actually thinking about- And that would be a pretty big footprint. Like, could Am- yeah. like, I, the most of the just walk well, out stores- that I've seen are pretty small footprints. Well, I mean, do they have large they, they scale? Do. They have large okay. Amazon fresh stores that incorporate the just walk out. There's one up on Aurora in Seattle. You go into that Amazon fresh store. It's like you look up, geez, is this an FBI headquarters? I mean, it's pretty intense, but I'm thinking this through. It would also, I believe be possible for somebody like Costco to just simply implement the palm scanning technology, Amazon one, which works in conjunction with just walk out. And that might be a way to do authentication. But the problem with that is because a lot of people are not yet comfortable giving over their, you know, quote, palm print, it would have to be just an alternative. It couldn't be your main way of establishing somebody's identity. 
This is and really I'm interesting. Sure, I'm and I'm sure Amazon or I'm sure Costco isn't wild about partnering with no. Amazon and giving over all that customer data, oh, and membership data. Right, right. And then what was Amazon going to do with all that data? Oh, there's now a 50% discount on Prime for every Costco <laughs> member, right? Yes. So, Suddenly you're going yeah. into Amazon.com and you're getting hit with advertisements for 12 right. packs Just of diapers. Just imagine what they could do with the Costco <laughs> membership base. I'm sure so, Amazon would keep us clear but, and strong firewall between yeah. its third-party <laughs> technology team and its first-party retail team. Come on, John. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Back to my original yes. point, though. It did strike me that these scanners, which seem like a smart thing to do, but relatively low-tech and seem pretty easy to implement, that it's just rolling out now, and yet you have all these additional advances on the other side with a company like Amazon. So. Yes. Two different approaches, for sure. They're both very successful companies, and ha but yeah, Costco is a very different type of company than Amazon. We're talking earlier about Zulily and sticking to its specialties and its strengths, and here right. you have an Costco's example. Costco is a, a great company. example. It has well, not wavered to a fault, right? In some ways, you could say that in this case, for example, there might be a more innovative or seamless solution that they could introduce, but they keep it simple. They do keep and it cheap. simple. Yes. Yep. And that's ultimately their brand value, their proposition. I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. And especially in this era where there's been a large problem with shoplifting and theft at, at the retail level, this is an interesting way to, to prevent that. And, and Costco is kind of – it's kind of built into their model because you have to be a member. You have to be verified to go into the – into the store. So I think maybe there's just a wave of additional retailers maybe looking at this as a way to prevent some of those issues because theft in the retail marketplace right now is a real, real problem. Not to go off on another total tangent, but I had a really interesting experience returning a product after the holidays at Kohl's, an Amazon product. Speaking about- Kohl's is one of their return partners, right? Exactly. They, they have a pretty strong relationship. They do. And just the- seamless nature of the return. This was a person behind the counter. He tore through a line of about 10 people in front of me. It felt like two minutes. They've got it down. And the interesting thing to me was they then handed you a slip for a discount at Kohl's because you'd come in and returned a product that you bought on Amazon. So did you buy anything? No, my brother-in-law did. <laughs> okay. I was with my brother-in-law okay. and he was checking out the shirts and he ended up buying something. So it worked. It did. Yeah. I, I can't remember actually if I gave him my discount or not, but at any well, rate. Well, you owe him, I owe him 15 yes. bucks. To your point, Amazon does cooperate with some retailers. Now, you could say that Kohl's is not as direct of a competitor with Amazon in as many areas as Costco, as a more general purpose, general merchandise retailer is. But just a lot of fascinating things going on in retail right now. And it's interesting to see how Costco and Amazon are approaching it differently. All right, you can check out the show notes for links to the stories that we discussed. Until next time, I'm Todd Bishop. And I'm John Cook. Thanks for listening to the GeekWire podcast.